0: have you ever wondered why the Bible is so confusing to understand? Or why Genesis is at the beginning and Revelation is at the end? You ever been curious as to why there's a New Testament and the Old Testament? Or what does that even mean? Well, I'm sure these are all questions that some of us have all asked at some point. So that's what Bible School is all about. We're going to go through the Bible and we're going to talk about the semantics of the why, the how, and most importantly, the who. If you'll ride this out with me, we're going to go cover to cover through the Bible and dig deep and see the mysteries that God has revealed to us through this beautiful love letter that he calls his word. You've just tuned in to Bible School with Reverend Kojo. What's going, good people, and welcome to Bible School. I'm so glad you decided to join us here. Um... So here's the deal, right? Last time we spent most of our time on about one and a half, (laughs) three and a half verses, and we kind of did an introduction to Satan and who he is, what he wants, and what his goals are, what his tricks are. Uh, We kind of took the introduction, the first introduction of this beast, and we kind of dissected it. Um, And I think that was a valuable study. I I do. Um, It was not my plan to do Revelation 12 in two parts, but hey, it happened that way. And it seems like that's what God wanted us to do. So here we are. Um, Revelation 12. I'm going to pick back up at verse four. We're not going to go back over the the, the devil stuff. If If you want to do that, go back and listen to the first part of Revelation 12. Um, but I, I do want to read the verse and I do want to start attacking it from uh, what's happening in the text view. Okay. Um, so he, verse four, we find these words. He says, and the tail drew the third part of the stars of heaven and he had cast them to the earth and the dragon stood before the woman, which was, was ready to be delivered for devour, um, uh, to be devoured for her, for when her child was done. So we, we know that the dragon is Satan. Uh, we've, we've talked about his various attributes and all that stuff. Um, but I want to, I want to start here with the fact that the dragon stood there to devour the baby at its birth. Um, and I want you to think back over biblical history because Herod was trying to kill Jesus at his birth and Moses had a hit on his life from birth. They were trying to kill the, um, the babies of Egypt, uh, from, from their birth. And, and we see this when, whenever God is getting ready to raise up somebody mighty, um, to do something. There seems Satan seems to be there trying to intercept that. He tries to intersect that. And he tries to start at birth because I guess if he figures if I can kill it at birth, maybe I don't have to deal with it, fight with it, fool with it. And it doesn't ever seem to to work that way because God is indeed sovereign. Of course. Now the dragon is standing here because he somehow believes that if the child can be born, you know, he thinks he will. The child being born is going to bruise his head. The child being born is in game for him. The child being born is the beginning of the end for Satan, and Satan understands that. I'm sure he heard the prophecy when it was given to Adam and Eve. And so for him, if he can kill the child, there's a baby that can't bruise his head. He doesn't necessarily know the whole picture, the plan of how God is going to do it, but God says the baby's going to bruise his head, and really it's when that baby becomes a man that that man is going to go and steal the keys from him. Uh, But he heard the prophecy that the child being born was going to be the thing that takes him out, and so he's tried to stop this baby from coming into the world. Satan, as early as Genesis, works to thwart the plan of God to redeem men. You know the proclamation that men will be redeemed for the seed of woman in Genesis three. By Genesis four, he's con- convinced Cain to kill Abel. By Genesis six, the angels are sleeping with women, trying to corrupt the genealogy of men to ex- expedite the per- perverse nature of men. And as a fact, these oddities are, are recorded in the Greek record as demigods. You know, I'm sure you've heard of it. And that's why when I teach um, Genesis and when I teach about Greek mythology. I don't necessarily think that the people um of, of Greece of Greece were were delusional. I think they wrote about what they saw. I think I think that they saw some stuff. I think that um they there were stories passed down from them about what was going on. I you know, and, and and I don't know, maybe Noah's kids got off the boat and they were telling them about that and they passed those stories down. I don't believe that the stories, I don't think that they all have to be things that were made up. Now maybe they were made up. But I, I do think that there is ground to believe that there was some funky stuff going on with the earth as Satan was trying to thwart the plan of God. Um, and, you know, we, we can even, we and we we go here, Noah, and, and he, with that per, per se, Noah was the only man among, among men whose line was not corrupted. When Satan's uh, henchmen, the demons, started sleeping with men, with women on the earth, and they started having babies, and you start having all of these, you know, all of these giants and weirdly inclined people walking around. Noah was the, among the few that didn't have a corrupted genealogy at all. And his heart was turned toward God. Now, when I think about it, you got, you got all of those things. He's trying to thwart the plan of him in Egypt. Pharaoh is killing Jewish children. And to the present day, There is no other group that has had a more focused attack on wiping out Israel. And, you know, I'm all about talking about what the the heinous and the evils. But the truth of the matter is, is there has been a concerted effort throughout history to try to wipe out the Israelites, period. Saul is chasing uh, David throughout the wilderness. You know, he's trying to stop destiny. Saul knows that David's been anointed for his job. And he figures if I can kill him, maybe I can stop God. How dumb do you have to be? I think I'm going to stop God. But as prophecy unfolds, Satan focuses the attack, but God still makes every detail work to lead to the cross and redemption. And this is, this is what's interesting to me is Matthew is able to trace Jesus genealogy all the way from Abraham to his, he, to his legal father, Joseph and Luke on the flip side was able to tra- track him from Adam and through every single legal exception down to his mother. And what's interesting is God, even though Satan tried time and time again to corrupt the line and and make it so that they would never make it to a Messiah, that a Messiah could not be born, to stop God in his tracks, God still is the author of time. And so he knew what Satan was going to do before he tried. But he tries. And, 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 you know, like we talked at the end of last time, Satan himself tries to thwart the plan in the wilderness with Jesus himself out in the wilderness. He tries to make him fall three times and it fails. Um, and Revelation 13 right here is going to be the big one. OK, we're about to hop into the big one. This is about to be huge. But even today, I'm, I want you to get get in this frame of reference of thinking about Revelation in terms of today and, and future. With the Middle East Eastern peace negotiation, Islam has made its its business to wipe out Israel, to, to to publicly, publicly, publicly wipe out Israel. And 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 but and there but there I have to say is still a prerequisite to the return of Jesus Christ. Now, how do I know that? Hosea fifteen. He says, I will go and return to my place till they acknowledge their offense and seek my face, and in their affliction they will seek me early. Israel has to acknowledge that they screwed up by rejecting the Messiah. They have to say we messed up. Jesus Christ was the Messiah. We need your help. He is very much so a gentleman. And in his gentleman, okay. In, in in the fact that he's a gentleman, he is never going to make you. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, let him come in and I will sup with him. He's not gonna force his way in. He's he's gonna stand at the door and he's gonna knock and he's gonna wait till you come to the door. He's gonna tug on the on the heartstrings of you and hope that you will turn your heart toward him, but he will not make you. And he's in and that is even for Israel, his chosen people. You know, he's not gonna make them fall in line. Things get heinous, things get hurt. They um and and what's interesting to me, in spite of the crusades. In spite of chaos, in spite of the Holocaust, they've yet to call. They've asked God, but they've yet to acknowledge Jesus. So we'll see. We'll see with time what, when that happens, how that happens, and we'll just have to see what unfolds. Let's move on to Revelation uh, 12, verse 5. And she brought forth a man-child who will rule the, all the nations with a rod, and her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. Now, most of, most of us read that as the ascension. Okay, most of supposed to read that as the Ascension. And the woman fled into the wilderness where she had a place prepared of God, and that they kept, they should feed her their 2,000, oh, oh, I'm sorry, read their 1,200 threescore days. Now, that interval of time is the half week of the 70th week of Daniel. That, that that's I mean, that's that period of time I'm always talking about. This Sometimes it's 42 weeks. Sometimes they break it down to a 1,200, two th- uh, hundred three, sixty days. Regardless, it's that same period of time we're talking about that half week of that seventieth week of Daniel, um, and it's the, and it's, we're in the last half of the Great Tribulation. It's getting heinous, and it's getting ugly, and it's getting gully. Right. Um, the interesting things we see that is first we see the child born, and instantly the focus is back on the woman, and she's suddenly in the tribulation. So I, I want to suggest that the church, the body of Christ, because the body is, is taken up. I want you to see that. I want to, I, I think I need a, I need a pause and slow down to second, and I want you to see that because let's go back to verse five, because in verse five, she says, and she brought, brought forth a man child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron and a child was to be caught up. Ooh, be caught up. Now, remember I said, we, we talked about last time that, that, um, Israel, Israel is, is the woman, and Israel is, the, if Israel is the woman and she has the man child, the man child, we could say is Jesus, but the body of Christ, Ooh, the body of Christ, Ooh, the body of Christ is the church. And so if our child was caught up to God, hmm, the body of Christ was caught up. And so I, I think that that we read that as the ascension and that, and that's another reason that why we can look at that as the ascension, um, as, as a, as a, as a category and not necessarily, um, an event, uh, G.H. Pemberton holds a, a view that I agree with that the child being called up to the God is the church being raptured. And, and that phrase may simultaneously point to the Ascension and to the rapture, which is again, why, why it is my belief that we think of, um, the first, the first Ascension and the second Ascension as a uh, first Ascension and second Ascension as categories and not events. Um, but, but, but see, let's go back. Let's go back because, because her child was caught up to God, but she's left there in the tribulation, which tells me that she, again, that, that, that confirms to me that she is Israel and Israel is down there and they're having to plead, um, which is, which is why I, um, we're looking at Israel here left behind on earth. In the middle of the worst thing to ever happen on earth that we know of. Ooh. Boy. Okay. I mean, I'm, and maybe that doesn't sit too tough with you, but that, 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 that kind of, that, that type of imagery, that type of understanding kind of makes, makes you amazed because if you just read the verse, you're like, okay, verse five. And she brought forth a man child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron and a child was caught up with God. And it's thrown. If you don't have an understanding that the woman is Israel and the body of Christ, the body of Christ is the body of Christ, um, you, you would read this and you would miss all of all of this stuff that's hidden here. That's that's coded here. You'd miss all of it. But with that understanding, all of this becomes clear. OK. All right. So I, I also want to say that that there that would suggest to me that there's a gap between verse five and six. And that's OK, because we see that other places in 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 Scripture, specifically the seven, 70 weeks of Daniel in Daniel, uh, between the 69th week. And the 70th week we see at least <laughs> at le- we see thousand, we see at least 2,000 years uh, between the two. At least the 69th, ninth week of Daniel is completed, and then we see all this time, a whole bunch of time that that, that takes place. So that suggests, that suggests to me. That the gap is okay, but we also see 24 other instances throughout the canon, which is interesting because it sure sounds like an allusion to the church. Now, let's rewind. You remember when we first got into, got out of the seven churches and we were talking in in chapters four and five about 24 and the 24 elders seemed like a reference to the church. It sounded like a reference. This, this 24 other references, this, this pause. Now, I I hope that y'all see this and this may be a little bit deep. This pause here, this pause that we're talking about between verse five and verse six It it happens 24 other instances in the canon. Okay. Sounds like an allusion to the church to me. Now let's think about that. The church. Now you remember I told you the only, the other place that it happened, one of the places that happened in the scriptures is 70 week of Daniel between the 69th week and the 70th week is this church period, right? And there's this gap in the church. Well, it happens 24 times, which is a number we typically associate with the church, especially when we talk about seeing them in heaven. The 24 elders, we think that they're representatives of the church. Um, I just I I just think it's mighty ironic. And I don't believe that um, ironic is a kosher word or a word that we use. Um, I just this is just me pulling, pulling some things. I want you to see this. See how crafty God is in his writing. See how every pen stroke Every pen stroke points back to him that there was nothing wasted, not a P, pe- not a, not a, mm, a period or a dot or a till nothing is wasted. All right. This is just me. We just, we just want to point this out. Now I also want you to notice this is the great tribulation in the old Testament is titled the time of Jacob's trouble. Okay. It's the time of Jacob's trouble, which confirms my idea or not my idea, but the conjecture and the belief that the church is raptured. Uh, we see that confirmed in scripture here a couple of times. We that that confirms that that this is not about the church. This is about reconciling Jacob or Israel, aha, back to God, back to the Messiah, and back to the the the, the original plan that God speaks of in Genesis. Okay, I know that's heavy. That's a lot. But I believe that this time of Jacob's trouble, this seventieth week of of um Daniel, this seven years of tribulation, whatever you want to call it, I believe that this will have the a revival on earth larger than we've seen in the church era as evidenced by Revelation 7. Remember Revelation 7? We see the 144,000 and they looked and there was a number that no man can number and we would presume that that number um, are the saints, but these are not the saints that are the church. These are the people who come out, out of the tribulation. Okay? Just, you know, we're we're, we're we're weaving. We're weaving. And that's what he does throughout the entire canon scripture. He's weaving. So you got to weave your understanding. And as you weave your understanding, your your understanding of this book And this Bible will start to make a little bit more sense. All right, moving right along. Verse seven. And there was a war in heaven and Michael and his angels fought against the dragon and the dragon fought his angels. Major war in heaven. You know, the place where there's not supposed to be war, you know, there's a war. Think about a war in heaven. Like I can't even really wrap my mind around what a war in heaven looks like. But remember that there's a promise of not only a new a new earth, but there's a, a promise of a new heaven. Now, in Zechariah 14 and Numbers 21, we get an, an interesting allusion to the wars of the Lord. So there, it is something that happens. Um, I think a lot of times we think of wars of the Lord as the things that happen behind the veil. And I believe that they do happen behind the veil because it's war works out in heaven. Uh, but we are not normally made privy to the wars that take place behind the veil. We're privy to the things that we can see. Okay. Now, I want you also to notice that Michael was the warrior God sends when things get hairy. Remember, uh, probably several episodes ago, I talked about how Gabriel is, is the messenger that he sends. When there's something important, when something that he doesn't need to fall through the cracks happens, he sends Gabriel. And when he has a war that he needs to fight, he sends Michael. And he used to depend on Lucifer for worship. But, you know, that's been a while. All right. Understand verse eight. Let's move moving right along and prevailed not. Neither was their place found anymore in heaven. They got thrown out. Okay. <laughs> and we see that in verse nine and the great dragon was cast out that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now is come and salvation. Now is come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God, the power of his Christ, the accuser of our brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. The accuser, the devil, Satan, Lucifer, all titles of the same person. Okay. That's all, all the same person, all the same person. I, but, but I want, I want you to see this, that he works continually to accuse Israel. Israel, he points to, because he knows that Israel are the chosen people from which he'll use. And so if he can demonize Israel, he'll, he'll, he does that. Now I want you to see this. I, um, you know, the Bible says that if you bless Israel, God will bless you. If you curse Israel, God will curse you. And I've seen and they were talking in recent history, and it's 2019, so like probably earlier this summer or maybe the spring. I was reading about something taking place in, uh, in the Middle East, and the Palestinians were talking about how the Israelites weren't doing right, or they weren't treating them right, or, or something like that. And I asked the question, I said, well, the Bible says, the guy, if I bless Israel, he'll bless me. If I curse Israel, I'll, he'll curse me. I said, but what do you do when Israel's acting a fool? And now in my study of this, it makes me ask the question, is Israel acting a fool? Because in his in, in, in the news and mainstream media, that's what it looks like. Is Israel acting a fool or is Satan accusing them of doing something that they're not doing? Because that's his job. That's what he does is he's the accuser and he accuses and he points fingers and he makes the people look, do things that, that are not characteristics of of him he's he you know he's just not a good guy he's just not a good guy and in his not goodness in his not goodness and in in his lack of of decorum and his lack of honesty in his, his need to lie about everything and to make himself look good. He, I mean, he would be perfect for um, a narcissist or his, that's really what he is to be honest with you. But in his in his need to look like he is the bright and morning star. And he's not in his need to look like the bright and morning star. He tries to make everything that is not him look like evil. Because then it it would flip, oh man, it would flip the world's view of him. Now, I had in recent days some experience with people with like histrionic personality disorder, narcissistic personality disorder. And the crazy thing is, is one of the things that they do is that when they do something, so if they tell a lie, if they do something, they always flip it back around on somebody else. They never take responsibility for what they did. They never take responsibility for what they did. They never um do anything that they never do anything that would be honest. They would never I mean they 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 do. They just they, they just they never do. And that tells me that such a disorder probably has its roots in Satan. Which remember, remember last time I talked about sin Begets more sin, which begets psychosis, which actually makes sense. But I'm not a therapist. I'm, I'm just, just a scholar as well, a student of the word, <laughs> an aspiring theologian. Uh, but that that is what, that's what I see. That's what I see. All right. We're, we're moving on, moving on. But he works to accuse. He ac- works to accuse Satan. I mean, works to accuse, he says, and I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of our brother is cast down, which accused them before God. And I, I believe Satan will probably calls God up every night and then. He says, you know, you see your folk down there. They, you know, I, I, he, he probably don't even take credit. He's like, you don't even know that down there. Uh, they, they're not really worshiping you right there. They're definitely making you look bad. Uh, are you sure you don't miss me yet? You know, all of these. stuff Now, And that's the psychosis, right? That's the psychosis. But but Satan works that because it's in him. And the more you spend time in him, you become like him, just like as a Christian, the more time we spend in the presence of God, the more time we have to the more we become like him. The more we want to dwell in, in honesty, I got to, When I get off of this podcast, I got to go have a rough conversation. I got to admit to some stuff that my pride usually would not allow, but because I don't want to be bound by pride, I've got to make a call. I've got to have a conversation because I want all that God has for me. I got to go have a conversation that I do not want to have because I don't want to be bound by it and whom the Lord says free is made free indeed. But Satan doesn't operate that way. And he doesn't promote his folks to operate that way. So the, he's the accuser. He stands before God and he accuses them day and night. Now we're about to p- um, encroach on the verse that I've been trying to understand. And I've really, I've really been wanting to preach a sermon on for a while. Really wanted to preach a sermon on it for a while. And I was trying to get a complete holistic understanding of what was happening here in, in this chapter before I could. Verse 11, because it's really popular in our churches. Boy, you say this, you read this verse, and I know I'm, I'm stalling. When you read this verse, well, in our black churches, you can make the whole church get emotional, okay? And they overcame by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. And they overcame by the blood of the of the lamb and by the word of the testimony and they love not their lives unto death. Okay. On account. And by the virtue of his blood being shed. So they overcame by the fact that the blood was shed. Okay. They overcame because the blood was shed. just the mere fact that the blood hit the ground. Hmm. And that when the blood hit the ground, it avenged the blood that cried up from the ground. Ooh, did y'all catch that? You remember, you remember Cain, when, when Cain killed Abel, God said to him, your blood, your brother's blood cries up from the ground. The the, the downtrodden, the one who was killed unjustly, the one who, who met death, not, not because of something he did, but because of who he was, he, ooh, 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 it was avenged. His blood was avenged. So, so they overcame simply because the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross avenged all the other blood that had been shed. Okay. And by the word of their testimony and by the word of their testimony on the ground of their faithful testimony, even unto death, that they, they, un, by the word of their, their, their testimony reveals their victory over him by the virtue of the blood of the lamb, because they believed and they paired their confession with their belief because they believed and because they worked their too. See here, here, let me pause because sometimes our testimony we think is what we say, but a lot of times our testimony is what we live. Okay. i uh, see. A lot of us think that our testimony is because I'm telling you about what God did, but most of the time your testimony is, are the actions that are paired now that the blood has been shed. See, it's one thing for me to say that I love the Lord. It's one thing for me to say that I, I, he heard my cry. It's another thing for me to say that he delivered me from the miry clay. It's not one thing for me to say that he, oh, you know, he does these things, but when my actions line up mm, with what he did, so he shed his blood that I may be free. So I am no longer bound Oh, I'm no longer bound. My, my peace is no longer chastised. I'm no longer bound by any snares of sin. And since I'm no longer bound by any snares of sin, my actions, my countenance, my behavior, the way that I walk, the way that I talk, the way that I behave, it has all shifted. So they confessed themselves to be worshipers of the Lamb and they looked the part. So they overcame because the blood was shed and they took on the blood. And this is what's, what's so amazing. And I, I love the Holy spirit is, is because in, in before Cain and Abel, their mom and daddy fell and the way that God covered them for a time is he put lambskins on, on them. Okay. He put the lambskins on them. And as he put the lamb skins on them, it became a covering for them to look like their sacrifice. Okay. And so they wore their sacrifice. The blood was on the altar. The inside were on the altar, but they wore the sacrifice and it was a covering of sorts to remind them of what their sin cost them. Okay. Now that we've overcome by the blood of the lamb, God is precious. Now that we've been overcome by the blood of the lamb, we wear, by the word of our testimony, we wear our testimony. And so since I wear my testimony, I ought to know how to love somebody. And since I wear my testimony, I ought to have some joy. Since I wear my testimony, I ought to have something different. I ought to be overcoming something. I ought not be like I used to be, and I ought not be okay with being what I used to be. And because I wear my testimony, it's not just what I say, the word. Okay. And see, sometimes we look at that word, word, and we say, oh, well, I just have to speak about what he did. But see, the word of my testimony in the beginning was the word, good God almighty. And the word was God. And the word was with God because the word of my testimony, I'm wearing Jesus. And if I live in a manner that's short of me wearing Jesus what does my testimony about him say? Hmm. I don't know if that's amazing to you. That's amazing to me. It's amazing to me. And see, but even further, because we're wearing Jesus, because pow- the power of life and death was in our tongues, their testimony awakened the power of the blood. Jesus is a gentleman. He's not going to force himself on anyone. But should you talk about it? Should you decide to live like him, should you decide to be like him, there's power, unspeakable power, an unspeakable power that opens things that are, that are, that are uncomprehensible peace and unspeakable joy. All of these things begin to overcome us because he overcame them. The devil, the accuser, the wicked one, by the, the blood of the lamb and the word of the testimony. And see, I want you to think about it because there's a lot that the blood helps us avoid. Okay, the blood helps us avoid a lot. There are a lot of snares. No weapon formed against us shall prosper. The help. The blood helps us avoid so much. But the blood, mm, the blood helps us avoid death. So when I, when my body dies, my spirit doesn't, the blood helps us avoid hell. Um, when my body dies, it goes, my soul goes to heaven. It, the blood is going to help me avoid the tribulation. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. But the blood sent the Holy spirit also to restrain evil. But some things the blood does not avoid. It calls us to stand up and overcome them. Okay. it, it, it calls us to stand up and overcome, to step up. And say that I'm bigger than this because I'm wearing Jesus. And so I don't have to be a slave to that anymore. I don't have to stand there anymore. I don't have to be bound by that anymore. Because I'm bigger, I'm better. I've been called to more. I have now the power to say no to the stuff that I couldn't say no to before. And so they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. Whew. Whew. I'm glad that's the verse I anticipated because I, I I love what God revealed there. How how he made me kind of wait on it and sit with it and ruminate with it. Um, because as he calls me to, to sit with it and ruminate with it, boy, wasn't that a lot? A verse that I was like, hmm, this would be a great sermon to preach. But didn't have the insight I, I love God for. Let's move on. Verse 12. Therefore, rejoice, ye heavens, that ye dwell, you dwell in them, all to the inhabitants of the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you, having great wrath, because he knoweth that he hath but a short time. Think about it. The word dwell, to tabernacle, to become one with, to dwell. You know, I always talk about God being the dwell among us God. Um, and he's a dwell among us God when we talk about his tabernacle. And that word tabernacle means to become with one, become with one. So those who have become one with the world. And I want you to think, um, oh, well, well, rejoice there, ye heavens, uh, ye who dwell within those who tabernacle with um, with the Lord. But woe to the inhabitants of the earth, woe to those who tabernacle with the world. Rejoice, you who tabernacle with God. Mm. Those who have become one with God, those who have been overcome by the blood of the, the, the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. Oh, rejoice, be happy, get, find joy, but woe to you who have tabernacled and dwelled and have inhabited the earth and of the sea. For the devil has come down unto you. He's, he's, he's headed your way. And having great wrath because he knoweth he only has a short time. Satan is going to pull out every trick that he knows. And he's going to contort every trick. And he's going to amplify every trick. Because he knows that he only has a short time. That God is on the way. And he's on the way because the the Jews have had to ask for help. And they know that he is. He knows he is on the way. Um, Jesus is on the way. And so he is going to wreak havoc for only a short time. Verse 13. And when the dragon saw that he was cast into the earth, he persecuted the woman, which brought forth the man child out of spite. When he realized that he was on the earth, he persecuted Israel. Boy, that sounds really in line, doesn't it? Constantly coming for Israel, constantly trying to destroy Israel, constantly trying to, 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 to tear up and destroy, discredit Israel. Because they are representative of Jesus, of God, really, they will then be a representative of Jesus, but they're representative of God. And to the woman, were given two wings of a great eagle, that she may fly into the wilderness, into her place, where she is nourished for a time, and times, and half a time, from the face of, of the uh, the serpent. Now we know that time, times, certain, and half a times. Tells us what period we're in. We're in that half of a, half of that seventieth oh uh, year, week. Um, but I also want you to think of this, and I'm about, I'm gonna read the verse to you. But Edom, Ammon, and Moab escape the tribulation. There's a place. There's a physical place that they run to. Um, in Daniel eleven forty one, he shall also he shall enter also the glorious land, and many countries shall be overthrown. But these shall escape out of his hand, even Edom, Moab, and the chief of the children of Ammon. Um, so you know there's going to be a physical place that they'll run to. Now, what you to also think of this eagle's wings thing? The flight uh, from Exodus was the call on eagle's wings. Um, so when the Exodus left, when when the children of Israel left um, Egypt, it was called um, the eagle's wings. And so I think that may be a um, a type of leaving and being sealed and, and being protected um, that God, you were in the care of God as he causes your exodus from your old thinking, your old mindset, your old belief into a new, and that's, that's conjecture. Uh, verse 15 and the serpent cast out of his mouth, water as a flood after the woman that he might cause her to be carried away of the flood and the earth helped the woman. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed up the flood, which the dragon cast out of his mouth. Now, some believe that the term uh, is diaspora versus a literal flood, you know, a, a scattering, um, and that, that Israel was f- scattered everywhere um, and and carried away and, and all of that stuff. Uh, but that the earth or the systems or the powers um, may have come to help. Now, other people believe that the flood or the river could be a, the Germanic tribes' Uh, which are pouring on Rome and threatened to destroy Christianity, uh, but help the woman by swallowing up the flood. Um, But the earth, so the earth or the systems or the, 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 all of the things, um, the civilized world uh, might have helped. Okay. Now the flood is a sign of judgment. And here we go with, again, with Satan's attempts of similarity. All right. Did you see it? Did you hear that? I hope you caught that. Um, So there's a you know the flood. And there's a sign of judgment. And here we go again. Satan is attempt, attempting to be similar to God. Um, he's carrying the woman away with a flood, causing trying to destroy that good thing to make it seem like it's a bad thing. As And so he's sending a flood. Remember the flood? God sent a flood to destroy Satan. Uh, Satan and all of his his plans and attacks and all of that crazy stuff. Um, perhaps, though, it also concludes um, that he, he was given help by earthly powers. Okay. Um, you know, you know, Those least likely yet led by God's overruling providence to help, you know, give help, uh, to the church against the persecutions of also heresies. Um, you know, maybe there was, there was some people who, who just had the favor of God resting on them and they decided to help and they didn't realize who they were helping. You never really know. Uh, we just have to see. And then it, it goes on in verse 17 It says, and the dragon was wroth with the woman and went to make war with the remnant of her seed, which keep the commandments of God. And have the testimony of Jesus Christ. The remnant, those who are left on the earth. So they weren't part of the church period, but they, they've accepted Christ. So then when, when he realized that he couldn't get the woman, he tries to try to wreak havoc on those who have accepted Jesus Christ, but are not of the Jewish line. Hmm. I want you to understand this. The return of Jesus Christ is going to be preemptive of the Jews asking for it. And it's very much so like him coming into our lives. I think I've said that a few times. But I want you to see, you have to let him in. Um, This is not one of those things where he's just going to come because he's ready to come. The Jews are going to have to say, hey, we screwed up. (laughs) We screwed up. It's going to have to be a, a concerted effort, not just the turning of one. We screwed up. Come back. Help. Please. It's going to have to be one of those situations. And I believe that if they turn in such that way that he will come back and he will redeem them because they were always his chosen, his, they were always his, his, his kindred, his family, his lovers, his, his, all of those things. I I do believe that. I believe that with all that is me. I do. I believe that is with all that is within, within, within me. Well, Good folks. I, um, we are at the end of Revelation 12, and I want you to remember this, that Christ, like I said just a moment ago, is very much so a gentleman. And all of these things are avoidable because we're very much so in the church period. And if you would accept him as your Lord and Savior, Believe in your heart that he indeed died on the cross and rose from the dead and confess such with your mouth. That's all you got to do to seal your spot. I know there's a lot of stuff and I I said a lot about taking his place and living like him. Yeah, you you, you ought to, you know, if you're carrying his name, you ought to look like him. But to, to seal your spot, there's really all you have to do is confess and believe. And that's all there is to it now I mean we we can sit here we can talk about semantics and other things and and I'm going to continue to come back and talk about semantics of other things when we finish Revelation I'm going back to Genesis and then I'm going to move way through the Bible I'm, I'm I'm gonna do it but we can discuss semantics all day long about who God is about who Jesus is about what's going to happen about what has happened about history about about interpreting scripture we can talk about semantics all day long. But if you don't have a relationship for yourself, you're just hearing this for the history. And you don't get the benefit of it. How tragic would that be? That would be. That would suck. Oh, that would suck. And I would hate for that to be your story. Don't let that be your story. Don't let that be your story. Let him in. Let him in. Y'all have be blessed. And until next time, I've been Reverend Kojo with Bible School.